calling all aspiring podcasters. This is your sign to start your own podcast because we have just the right tool for you. Before we started podcasting, we really thought that everything would be such a hassle, especially the editing. But we found the best and most convenient all-around podcast tool out there, Podmachine. Podmachine will take care of all your podcasting needs. From audio production, designs, and marketing growth, all you have to do is sit back, relax, and keep creating great content that sounds professional. It's time for you to start sounding like a pro with Podmachine today. Sign up and get a free episode trial. And once you're convinced of how good it can be and how it helped us, you can start for as low as only $49.99 for four episodes in a month. But wait, there's more. If you use our code PHMURDER, all caps, no spaces, you get one free episode credit upon subscribing. Just head on to podmachine.com and let them do the dirty work so you can do the fun stuff and sound like a pro. Podcast Network Asia. This episode may include topics, references, or discussions around sexual assault, domestic violence, stalking, physical violence, or subject matters that may be disturbing to some of our listeners. We do acknowledge that this content may be difficult. We also encourage you to care for your safety and well-being. Shocking, sad, revealing, and deeply researched, PH Murder Stories podcast covers the true account of infamous killings and true crime stories from the Philippines. There's no such thing as questions, just hidden answers. Stay tuned as we revisit the inconceivable crimes that exist. Some listeners may find the following content of PH Murder Stories highly disturbing due to its graphic nature. PH Murder Stories does not condone nor promote violence of all sorts. Viewer discretion is advised. Siguro props lang, sabi ka lang. Pare, props lang yan. Oo nga, no, ang galing ng props, no? Sabay sabi ko, bakit ganun, ang galing ng props? Bakit lumalaki? It's my brother missing. Nawawala siya. Dito namin siya nangyong ngayon. Apparently there were some additionals which was not recorded in our office. Kapag dagdag ka ng dagdag, isipin mau-overload yan. Pag na-overload yun, tendency is for the circuit breaker to set switch to trip. Pag hindi nag-trip po yan, at may video ko sa file. Yung kapasidad lang nito ang... Uh, laman nitong paneka, yung kaya sigurong ma- ma- lumabas sa mga taong laman yan. Ngayon lang ang capacity ng mga 50 lang. Kasi yung kwan man, hindi naman bigla yung sunog, eh, mag-i-spark yan. Eh, makakalabas ka agad ng orderly yung, yung mga laman yan. Found that they do not have any fire exit to close immediately. Napabayaan na. Nga po eh. Usually, dapat anuhan ng ano yan, ng first aid uh, firefighting uh, uh, extinguisher. Kaya napabayaan. Kaya lumaki. Napabayaan. Kung hindi, po, hindi ko pa tinulak yung gwardiya, hindi eh, bubuksan eh. 
Kasi si Kip eh, sinasarado sabi doon pali. Siyempre, itong napakalaking sakon ng ito at uh, tragedy nito eh. Uh, talaga malaman natin kung anong uh, sanhi, sinong responsible at uh, anong magagawa natin upang hindi maulit ulit. We are, we are going to investigate and uh, we will see and determine uh, upon the investigation that we Give them a chance first to respond voluntarily. Yes, Because there is great public interest at this tragedy. One of the most powerful women in the world once said, The future belongs to those who believe in their dreams. It is the most notable quote that young people hear when they throw the hat and celebrate the years of hardship from the instructions learned in the schoolroom. But how will you face the future when your means of cherishing your dreams eventually got tormented? How do you know when you've had enough pleasure? The academic year in the Philippines typically ends in March. Ironically, the year's third month is also observed as the Fire Prevention Month due to the high record of fire incidents reported during this season. What if a large number of graduates and a huge probability of flame get into a collision? On March 18, 1996, 162 people mostly teenagers and young adults celebrating the end of the school year, were killed in a blaze that was supposed to be a party, but turned out to be a tragedy. 93 others were severely injured. That Monday night turned a night full of fun into a night of inferno, being one of the worst fire incidents in the country and the seventh worst fire incident in the world, as described by the Bureau of Fire Protection at the time. Ozone Disco was an immensely popular spot for students and young professionals in the mid-90s. Located in the renowned nightlife site at the heart of Quezon City, Hermilo Ocampo, the club owner, purchased an abandoned establishment at Tomas Morato and Timog Avenue. Ocampo reportedly acquired the property for residential purposes. However, he saw the opportunity to capitalize on the country's increasingly popular electronic music trend since the establishment was already a well-known entertainment area. The spot was originally known as the famous jazz club Birds of the Same Feather, which later became Birdland halfway through its existence. When the building was renovated, the disco club quickly transformed into one of the most successful nightclubs of its time. For its patrons, the biggest draw was the low barrier of entry. Apart from their budget-friendly meals and drinks, the public had been enticed by the 50% discount on the cover charge every Monday and half off on the normal drink price as a graduation promo. At the same time, the club completely waived its entrance fee. On the night of the tragic incident, around 350 customers and 40 employees occupied the 50-square-meter area, whose use was only approved for 35 people. It is equivalent to cramming almost 400 people into a two-bedroom condominium unit. With the limitations in its dimensions, 
every jot of Ozone Disco was expected to maximize the partying experience of its patrons. The DJ's booth was positioned in front of the dance floor, near the storage box for technical equipment. The ceiling was allegedly adorned with egg cartons, and the walls around the booth were padded with acoustic foam for noise and sound control. At the side was a semicircular bar with tables and chairs for clientele. The disco also had a mezzanine, a lifted platform between the ceiling and the floor. It worked somewhat like an indoor balcony, where guests could stand for better viewing of the dance floor. Apparently, it was rapidly added to entertain the influx of customers that management was expecting on the night of their graduation promo. An augmentation built without any city permit or inspections. The venue had only one emergency exit near a VIP room, blocked by a sofa and an LPG tank, leading only to a firewall of an adjacent restaurant. To get to the dance area, guests had to enter through the building's main doors, then through another door. On the other hand, the main entrance can only be opened inward, meaning they had to be pulled, not pushed, for anyone to get out. The owners, through this proposition, would bring money and good fortune into the business, apparently based on Feng Sui. Given the size of the club, the first indication of trouble that night should have been the volume of guests. The next sign came around 11.45pm when a flash of light came out from the feet of the disc jockey. Assuming it was merely part of the club's special effects, the patrons continued to party until the spark traveled to the ceiling, with the decorative elements around the DJ's booth serving as accelerants. When the DJ realized the situation, the wires above him were already aflame. He was about to announce that there was a fire, but the microphone stopped working. A few moments later, the music was stopped by numerous explosions. A girl from the crowd shouted, Fire! And chaos began. Just in a glimpse, the ceiling burst into flame and crashed down on the heads of every guest. The lighting collapsed with the entire mezzanine, crashing the customers standing beneath them. Within 15 seconds, the club was covered by smoke and darkness, brightened only by a raging fire. Guests and staff rushed to get out of the building, but people could only open the door inwards, which formed a stampede behind the door. Many of the bodies were found along the corridor, leading to that only exit. The deadly consequences of prioritizing superstitions over common sense became instantly obvious. The security guards also reportedly locked the pathway from the inside, as they thought commotion had taken place. Nonetheless, the panicking patrons could open the doors eventually, but they had no idea what came next. The flames themselves aren't the only threat inside the building. There is a seemingly endless supply of smoke. Depending on the materials used in decorating the structure, the air from the building fire can be a mixture of extremely toxic and asphyxiating substances. Si Paul, 
At ako naman, Sera. Come listen to our podcast called Stories Philippines Podcast. The very first Pinoy Horror Anthology Podcast. Pakinggan ng mga kwentong nakakatakot, nakakakilabot, at hayaan mo kaming iparamdam sa iyo na hindi ka nag-iisa sa kinauupuan mo. Available in all major podcast platforms powered by Podcast Network Asia. In an interview with Esquire, survivor Sherilyn Bruan said, Eventually, the doors did open. When it did, air came rushing in, creating a backdraft. The impact was so strong, everyone in the hallway was hit and fell down. It was like a tidal wave of heat. Bruan managed to exit the building alive, but with much effort. It was an absolute determination that helped her crawl through the hallway past those who were injured, incapacitated, and deceased all the way outside of the building. She did not even realize the extent of her injuries until she noticed that her sleeveless top had melted away and the only clothing left on her was her bra. Bystanders across the street advised her to seek medical attention. Miraculously, Bruan's relatives and friends who joined her in the club all made it out alive. With the help of one of their friends who was buying cigarettes outside when the incident occurred, they were able to reach the De Los Santos Medical Center. Supposedly, they planned to go to St. Luke's Medical Center, but they anticipated that the hospital would be full of fire victims. While being treated at the emergency room, she noticed that she obtained injuries on her hands, arms, and back. About 30% of her body had sustained second-degree burns. Bruan was 18 years old, a native of San Fernando, Pampanga, and the mass communication sophomore at San Sebastian College. Her parents worked as a soldier and an overseas Filipino worker. Sherilyn now works at a broadcast TV station near the site of the Ozone Disco. But unlike Bruan, an official death toll of at least 162 was recorded, mostly fresh graduates and career starters. The Ozone Disco Fire bears the infamous distinction of being the worst fire in the country's post-World War II history. When rescue teams retrieved bodies, the narrow corridor leading to the dance floor was waist-deep with remains of people who had tried to escape. They were badly burned as they filled up with each other. Other corpses were crushed beneath a collapsed ceiling. The investigators who studied the case described the site as a fire trap because it lacked exit routes, fire extinguishers, and warning devices. 
four months after the incident, Bruan admitted to evading enclosed spaces and huge crowds. She panicked whenever she heard the sirens of ambulances and fire trucks. Her life stopped for a moment. Later on, she overcame those fears when she was assigned to calamities and disasters, including fires, as a journalist. However, other survivors blamed the club owners who missed their responsibilities when the tragedy occurred. With that, the survivors and the victims' relatives filed criminal charges against six government officials and five establishment owners. In 2001, five years after the incident, the Quezon City Trial Court found Hermilo Ocampo and Ramon Nang, the president and treasurer, respectively, of Westwood Entertainment, guilty of reckless imprudence, resulting in multiple homicides and multiple serious physical injuries. They were sentenced to a four-year prison term and fined 25 million pesos each. They and other stockholders were also ordered to pay 150,000 pesos to the relatives of everyone who died and 100,000 pesos to those who were injured. Unfortunately, the victims failed to be fully compensated since the company already declared bankruptcy, leaving them the possible assets and properties they could recover from the corporation. Joseph Stephen Santos, the president of the Justice for Ozone Victims Foundation, said, We got around 4 million pesos from the ozone insurance, and that had to be divided among those who filed the complaint depending on their expenses for burial and hospitalization. Santos also said that the biggest amount received by the families of those killed was 20,000 pesos each. However, there was one survivor who lost an ear and only received 2,000 pesos. In November 2014, the Sandigan Bayan sentenced seven officials of the Quezon City government guilty of violating the Anti-Graft and Corrupt Practices Act with six to ten years imprisonment. The club's owners were also found to be liable. They were former Quezon City engineer Alfredo Macapugay and six other members of his staff, Donato Rivera Jr., Edgardo Reyes, Francisco Itleon, Feliciano Sagana. Petronilio de Llamas, and Rolando Mamaid. The same penalty was meted out to Ocampo and Nang. Former building inspector Rolando Mamaid is still with the city engineering office but rose to chief of road constructions. Engineer de Llamas was with the legal division of the city building official when the decision came out. It was said that the government officials who approved Ozone's papers were also the ones who signed permits for Manor Hotel, which left 75 dead when it burned down in 2001 on Camias Road, Quezon City. 
asked what administrative action would be taken by the city government on Mamaid and Delyamas. Then Mayor Herbert Bautista said he would have to verify with the Civil Service Commission. He said it is the right of those convicted by graft by the Sandigan Bayan to appeal the court's decision. The former site of the nightclub is now Gouda, a fast food chain co-owned by television host Boyabunda that markets itself to be open 25 hours. But when Sherilyn Bruan was asked if she would eat at that 25-hour place, she said, quote, No way. I mean, it hardly has any effect on me when I drive past it. But no, you'll never get me to eat at that place. I can't do it. Unquote. In pop culture, singer Unique Salonga released his first solo debut album, Grandma. Of the 12 tracks, one was called Ozone, Itulak Ang Pinto, which draws inspiration from the 1996 Ozone disco tragedy. It was also said that the song Disconnection Notice was widely perceived to be related to the incident, but pupil vocalist Eli Buendia denied it when he was asked on Twitter. While the song One Sweet Day by singer-songwriter Mariah Carey and R&B group Boys to Men also became a hit in the Philippines since the locals dedicated it to the victims of the Ozone Disco fire tragedy months after its release. 162 people died in the Ozone Disco fire in 1996, despite being one of the very least cases in which someone or a company was held liable. The tragic incident serves as a reminder to bar owners and local officials to not mix greed, negligence, and corruption. To this date, many people who went to Ozone Disco could still recollect the events they had by hanging out with their friends, drinking, dancing, and genuinely having a good time. Unfortunately, the place that catered to those precious memories went out in flames. For further updates, please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at PH Murder Stories. And subscribe to our YouTube channel, PH Murder Stories. If you have case suggestions, please go to our website at phmurderstories.com and fill out the request form at File Your Blotter. Did you like this episode? Give us a rating on Apple Podcasts, or if you're listening on other platforms, kindly send us a review on our Facebook page or send us a tweet. You can also share our podcast to your Instagram and Facebook stories through Spotify. We're also inviting you to join our Facebook group, PH Murder Stories The Verdict, and participate in our discourse about true crime, both local and international. This group is a safe space for true crime and mystery fans like us who want to engage in thorough discussions about the subject. To all our listeners, we hope you could support us on Patreon. If you're fond of online shopping, you can also help our team earn a small commission by clicking our Lazada and Shopee affiliate links found in the description. Any amount you contribute will enormously help support our team 
to produce more quality content. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. <laughs>